0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Coleman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. We started a new series last week called Fruit Bearing, hence the uh, graphic there, uh, Fruit of the Spirit, and uh, Corbin kicked us off last week, did a great job of introducing the topic. In fact, he did more than introduce the topic. He pretty much covered everything you'd want to cover on the topic, so thanks, Corbin, for touching on all the bases. Uh, I say that a bit in jest because it is such an important topic uh, that there's plenty of places we could go deeper and try to get a clear understanding. Maybe the most important topic when it comes to how do I follow Jesus effectively? Uh, how, what does fruit bearing mean? What does that look like? So that's what we're going to focus on uh, today. Uh, question of the day, I'll start with this. What matters most to God? What does God or Jesus look for in my life? What matters most to him as he looks at us? And I, I would suggest um, that when you hear that, at least I would, my first reaction would be kind of on a behavioral side. Am I doing the right things? You know, Am I, am I living my life out correctly for God? Uh, that might be our first impulse. Today I want to kind of step away from that view and look at it from a different standpoint. And to do that, we're going to be uh, in a story in the book of Mark uh, that, that to me, I think, personally, is the weirdest story in the Gospels. Certainly, uh, to me, the weirdest story involving Jesus. Jesus said some interesting things. He said some uh, confrontational things. He said some things that may not make sense. And I might start by just saying, if, if you are reading the Gospels in particular and you come across... Things like that. Hey, that I don't get that. That doesn't make sense. Or that seems counter to the Jesus that I knew. Or any of those, if it's confusing, focus on that. Because that is there to teach us something. And this story today is, is really right, right in that lane. Uh, Jesus, uh, <laughs> I'll just get to it. Well, let me just preface it that way. Let's, uh, let's look in Mark. Mark uh, verse 11, I think. Nope. 12 to 14, uh, and here it is. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. <laughs> and, then, and the last line, I love it. And his disciples heard him say it. Uh, yeah, I would throw that in there. It's like, they're, I want to make sure you know, it wasn't hearsay. We actually heard him say this. It was a weird response. I mean, think about this. Jesus is just there leaving Bethany, heading toward Jerusalem in the morning. And Jesus is kind of hungry. Maybe they didn't have time for breakfast. And he sees a fig tree and leaf, goes over to see if it has any f- figs on it. But it was not the season for figs. So it's not even supposed to have figs on it. Jesus sees the tree has no fruit. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. He cursed the tree. Like, seriously, uh, Jesus, you should have had coffee today. Maybe I don't. I mean, where did that come from? Why such an overreaction? Why such a weird response to something that was actually quite natural? The tree was only doing what it was created to do. It's full of leaves in preparation for fig season. <clears throat> maybe, maybe we should look at that and see what, uh, what's behind Jesus' overreaction and I'll start by saying context again you'll hear me say this a lot context is really important when does this story take place what's going on that adds to what Jesus just did and said uh, so he starts out, this verse starts this way the next day as they were leaving Bethany that's when the story takes place so it might be good to know what happened the day before What's going on in this story? When, when does this take place? Well, the day before is, uh, is a monumental day. Because the day before this event was Palm Sunday. This was the day that Jesus got on a donkey and marched into Jerusalem. This was the day that, you know, there are lots of times in the, in the Gospels before this day where Jesus said, it's, my hour has not yet come. It's not my time yet. But this day, (laughs) his hour came. Because he is fulfilling to the day. I mean, we look back in retrospect and realize that this is the day that was prophesied the Messiah would walk into Jerusalem. Um, And you have to understand, this is Passover week. This is the first day of Passover week. This is the big festival day for Israel. Almost every good Jew would be in Jerusalem that day, certainly that week. Maybe a million people in, around, camped outside somewhere near Jerusalem on their way in town uh, when this event took place. Uh, maybe tens of thousands, maybe I a hundred thousand. Think of Rose Bowl parade or something, you know, a huge crowd lining the streets. Uh, I've been there, uh, been, well, I'm there then, but I've been to Jerusalem. I've been, I've seen the road that Jesus took. And it's phenomenal to sit and just think, God, imagine a hundred thousand or more people lining the streets. And they're taking palm branches and laying them down. And here's what it says. Mark eleven nine to 10. This is two verses before the story we just read. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I mean, this is serious worship going on here. Imagine the palm branches. And one of the things I've found out about palm branches, why, why palm branches? They were ancient kind of symbol. Uh, if, if you ever shake palm branches, they make a loud noise. I mean, it'd be great for a football game. We should all get palm branches to go to a football game because they make a really loud noise. Just imagine hundreds, thousands of palm branches. People are shaking and laying down and you hear this chorus. Well, that's what happened the day before. Well, now it's Monday. And this is, the, this is Jesus' experience. Jesus knows what's coming. Because in four short days, four short days, things are going to take a drastic turn from Monday to Friday. Because Friday morning, four days from this event, Jesus is going to be on trial with Pilate. He's going to be before Pilate. Pilate is, I, I think, honestly, trying to figure out how to get Jesus out of this. Because as the Roman official, he can't see. He thinks this is just a big political infight. He doesn't see anything that Jesus has done wrong. Um, but here's, here's how that crowd played out. Maybe a lot of the same people that were lining the road. It says this. What shall I do then with Jesus, who's called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered him, crucify him. But, but why? What has he done? But the crowd yelled all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. ha. Huh. I mean, can you imagine what Jesus is feeling on this morning when he knows he knows what's coming? He knows what's happening. He knows this is not about the tree, people. <laughs> Jesus didn't have a thing about fig trees. This is Jesus trying to make a point about people. I think what bothers Jesus the most would be seeing something that looks healthy, has all the appearance of health, but no fruit. Um, that may bother him the most. In fact, I think his comments or his reaction, maybe more uh, to the Pharisees than anything else. Because the Pharisees are a perfect example. Pharisees are ones that did everything right. You know, they tithed, they lived a moral life, they knew the word of God, they did everything trying to please God's law. They were trying to show the people, this is how you obey God, this is how you react to God. And yet they were full of leaves, but people without fruit. And I think that's what gets at Jesus. And, the, and this group of Pharisees are the ones that work the crowd into changing from worship to condemnation. It's like it's the danger of something full of leaves but no fruit. Jesus knows is not good. Um, so that is the situation we're in. Uh, in essence, the most religious people were most at odds with Jesus which is a great irony, isn't it? People that think that they're trying to do everything to please God are the ones that are most at odds with a person of Jesus. How does that happen? Um, well, I guess we should look at what the leaves are and what the fruit is. That would be really helpful to know. Well, <laughs> Tell me what the, what, what's the difference. Well, leaves, again, you just look at the list we just talked about with Pharisees. Leaves, fellowship, going to church, living a moral life. Uh, knowing the word, studying the word, uh, right behavior, all of those things are, are leaves. I mean, it doesn't make them bad, but on their own, they're of no value. Um, and then there's the fruit. This is what Jesus was looking for in the tree. The fruit is, and Corbin did a great job of introducing this as well, Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit, and that's so important. It's not, your fruit should be like this. No, 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 it said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Uh, those are literally a, a list of the characteristics of Jesus. Uh, not what we do, but what comes out in us. Uh, that's, that's fruit. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, which do, we, which do we tend to focus on the most? Leaves or fruit? I would just suggest our human nature, we tend to focus on leaf bearing more than fruit bearing because it's, it, we can see it, we can control it. Producing leaves, that's something we can you know, do and see the result of. Oh, I can go to church more, I can go to fellowship, I can do these things, I can tithe, I can uh, know the word, I can study the word. And again, those are not bad things. But do we see the huge difference between that and the fruit. Um, that, that's what Jesus is trying to get at. Um, well, if you don't get anything else out of today, I hope you get a couple things out of today, but if you don't get anything else out of today, just hang on to this uh, phrase. Fruit is not what we do. Fruit is what we become. That is the, the focus of this whole talk. Fruit is not what we do. Fruit is what we become. Uh, it's Jesus, again, bearing fruit in our lives. Uh, in, in essence, you could say f- our purpose, uh, our purpose as people, as humans. By the way, one, one of those, if we're bearing leaves, we're human doings. We're not human beings. Fruit is about being a human being. It's not action. It's being in the right place. Well, Our purpose is to bear fruit. And uh, here's three verses just to kind of emphasize that. Matthew 3.10. This is John the Baptist, part of his ministry. He says this. The axe is already at the foot of the trees, at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew 12.33. Jesus speaking now. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And in a similar way, he said in Matthew 7, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Here's the key. By the fruit, not by their leaves, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Our identity is in our fruit not in our leaves. You know, if we're, if we're saying, hey, look at me, this is what it means to follow Jesus. I do these things. That's a bad example. That's a bad demonstration because uh, our identity is not in our leaves. Our identity is in our fruit. That's what we want to put on display. Um, well, okay, so what's missing? How do we put those two together? How do we combine? How do we have leaves and, and still bear fruit? Or how is it possible to have... All these healthy leaves and not bear fruit. What's, what's what's missing? Well, maybe a little demo will help. Maybe some of you notice I moved these and left them in the middle of the stage. But here they are from my own home. Question: Maybe this is a good way to put it. Which of these two branches is more alive? Is it is it this one, or is it this one? Yes. Oh, well, it's kind of a trick question. <laughs> neither. They're both dead. They're both disconnected from the tree. Neither of these will survive. Neither of these will live. And neither of them will bear fruit. This one looks healthier, but it's just as dead as this one. It just looks better. That, maybe that's a good way to focus on that. Well, I want to have this branch. Well, this branch is disconnected. Hmm. I think we're getting somewhere. (laughs) Well, Jesus described it this way in John 15. But before I put that up there, uh, again, context, really important. John 15, the fruit, I mean the vine and the branches is what Jesus is talking about. This is literally perhaps his last real conversation with his disciples before he's arrested. When does this take place? This takes place after the Last Supper and before... He's arrested in the garden. Probably it happens on the way into the garden, because again, if you've been in, in Israel, like I have, and we took that trip, kind of walked out to the Garden of Gethsemane or where they think it is, there's a lot of garden area around there. Guess what? There's going to be fruit vines out there. There's going to be grapevines, and, and Jesus is a rabbi. So he's, how do I, how do I get these guys to really understand what it means to bear fruit? What, it, what's the missing deal? So he points to this vine, and he tells this story. Well, it's like this, guys. And this is what he says, John 15:1 to5. "I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away or lifts up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, or stay connected." And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide or stay connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides stays connected in me, and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. So there's Jesus' description. Oh, trying to make it as clear as possible. It's a great uh, analogy. Much better than mine. Mine was good, but his is better because uh, it's dynamic. I love it. I, I want to uh, go back and touch on a couple of things in these verses, but first I want to highlight verse 2. I purposely picked the New King James Version. Uh, this is kind of a side note, but it's still important for us to know. Uh, I, I chose that translation because I think the NIV and a couple other translations probably get it wrong. Not that you couldn't translate it the way I do, but in the context, I don't think it fits. If I read verse 2 that says in New King James, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and it says in the translation, or lifts up. But in the NIV, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. Well, that's a very different meaning. That's a huge difference. Because then it makes it sound like, oh, okay, so if I'm connected to Jesus, and I'm a, but I'm not producing fruit... <coughs> I'm going to get cut off. I mean, this is not about salvation. That's kind of where we're Westerners. We kind of black and white, in or out. Uh, this is not about salvation. This is about how do you bear fruit in relationship with me? Because the very next verse says this, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So he's talking to hey, guys, you're already connected to me. Now bear fruit. And then he's, so that's why that translation, I, I have... I have uh, grapevines on the side of our house, trestles there, and it's kind of fun every year. We didn't plant them, we inherited them, but they're kind of fun. And uh, this time of year, where they're, as they're growing, I've already pruned them for the season, as they're growing, sometimes they kind of grow and the weight takes them to the ground, they fall off the trestle, whatever. And that's a tree, that's a branch, it's connected, but it has to be taken up, taken away, lifted up. Not cut off, you don't say, oh, you're on the ground. <coughs> cut you off. Uh, the vine dresser will go, oh, there's a branch on the ground. A branch on the ground will not bear fruit. It has to be lifted up. I, I love that kind of illustration. Sometimes we are branches that get kind of on the ground. And Jesus goes, hey, let me lift you up. Let me take you away from that situation and put you in a better place. Then you can bear fruit. Um, so that's, I just had to mention that because that changes for me the whole meaning of The first few verses of of this passage. So what's most important? Abide. Stay connected. That's our job. Simple. Didn't give us a list of things we have to do. It just says, stay connected. Abide in me. I love the word abide. Kind of means constantly connected to. It means I'm attached. Uh, I love it. And then he says, well, he started out with, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Abide in me. Our job is just to stay connected. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the one that gives us life. He does work in us. The vine dresser is the one that picks us up and puts us in the right place and prunes us and does whatever else necessary for the vine. Our only job, people, is to stay connected. That's our fo- That should be our focus. That's the key to bearing fruit. Not what we do, but being in the right place. Um, not that those things that we do aren't good. Uh, I don't want to give a <laughs> bad rap. I'll get to that in a second. But connection then is relationship. That's maybe the better way to put it. Relationship is the key. Uh, so how, how does how do you do that? How do you create that relation? What do I do? Again, our question is what do I do? Okay, good question. Well, I look at it like any other relationship. If you've got a relationship. I'm married, so I'll just use that one, Uh, me and my wife. What do we do to nourish, to nurture, to stay connected? What do we do? Well, we have to be intentional. We have to spend time. We have to create space. You know, create space and things will happen. Just, you know, people call it quality time, overused phrase. But that's a lot of it, just creating time and space. About eight years ago, (coughs) Judy just started working full-time for the university, and she was finishing her master's work. So we saw each other a couple hours a day if we were lucky. Um, I was at the peak of kind of doing Young Life College, and almost every night of the week we were doing something. Either she had a small group, I had a small group, we had a leader meeting, we had an event, something going on. And Friday turned out to be the only night that was free for both of us. Almost every other night of the week for a couple of years was booked. So what are we going to do? Well, our relationships are really important. We have to be intentional, create space. So Friday became our date night. We have to provide for the opportunity to nurture the relationship. So every Friday, we've been doing it since, uh, probably eight, nine years now. Uh, every Friday, we go somewhere. The only reason we wouldn't is because we're already going somewhere else. We're out of town or we're together doing something. Uh, so every Friday, we go out to dinner. And uh, uh, what I love about this is... Wh- after about a year, we realized because we'd go, you know, Friday nights can get kind of busy around WSU, and so we, you know, get kind a wait list, and so a lot. I got in the habit of I'll go early, put our name in, and then when you're off work, we'll be ready to go. Great, good planning, Gary. Uh, so I'd go sit at the bar, get to know the bartender, and chat a bit. Well, that we decided let's just do this. So for like eight years, we every time we go out for a date, guess what? We go sit at the bar somewhere. In fact, they can kind not of look at us can we just sit at the bar? Uh, sure. Don't have to put on a wait list, don't have to. It's awesome. You're obligated to talk to people if you sit at the bar. You can't sit at a bar and say, I can't talk to you. I mean, we've had awesome conversations with other people. But the point of the whole story, I'm going off on attention here, <laughs> is being intentional, creating space that has nurtured our relationship. It has borne fruit in our relationship, uh, not enough just to do all the right things appearance-wise. Uh, oh, we got married eight years ago. We're still married. How much fruit are we bearing? Well, that depends on how what you're doing in the relationship. What are you doing to nurture it? Same way in a relationship with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> well, again, not to give leaves a bad rap, because leaves sometimes are necessary in order to bear fruit. You don't see a vine bearing grapes without leaves. Leaves are required. Uh, they're, they're a part of what makes fruit-bearing possible, as long as you're not depending on the leaves. Uh, the end of the, the goal is not leaf producing its fruit. So I would put it this way. What's your motivation for the leaves that you're producing? Uh, that may be the key. Because if your motivation is, like the Pharisees, well, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to build my image. I'm going to... F- do what I can do to please God, and we missed it. Um, We had our first guys group of the year, speaking of college groups last Friday or last Monday, and hadn't been together for a couple months, and so I just threw out the question. I already had this in mind. I thought about this, and I threw this question out. I said, hey, guys, what this year, what do you want to do to add to to uh, build your relationship with Jesus? What's what's something you want to focus on this year? And they went around, you know, talked about doing different things. And one of the guys I won't name him <clears throat> said, uh, I, "I want to study the Word more." And my first reaction is, "Why? Why do you want to study the Word?" He kind of looked at me, and said, "I love this." Yes, he said, well, "I want to I want to know Jesus better." I said, oh, yes, that's a fruit bearing response. A leaf bearing response might be because you need to know more about God, or it's what you should do as a Christian. Uh, you could ask that same question of anything. A couple of guys said, I need to spend more time with Jesus. Why? Or I need to go to church more. I need to go consistently to, why? Well, if the answer is because I want to know Jesus more, then, then you're, you're right where you should be. That's a leaf that will produce fruit. But if your answer is more personally motivated, well, I just think it's what I should do. Ouch. Um, I'm going to judge that. I'm just going to say, it. You're, you're in dangerous territory there. Because I felt that way. You know, there was a time in my uh, life a number of years ago where uh, <laughs> I felt like I was doing the right thing, but I just felt dry and empty. And uh, But there I had this kind of turnaround when I was with some guys talking about that. And it uh, <laughs> kind of dawned on me, I, I finally thought about it a lot, and I said, well, the reason I think Now, the reason why I want to spend time with Jesus in the morning, why I want to read more, why I want to pray more, not because it's a duty of a Christian. I said, I I don't want to miss what Jesus has for me because my life, the fullness of my life, is connected to that relationship. And I could do all the leaf bearing I want, but if I'm not spending time with Him with the right motivation, if I'm not, you know, with Him, I'm going to miss out on what he has for me. I'm disconnecting. Uh, I don't want to miss that. So that's my motivation now. Kind of like uh, I don't want to, because what he has for me every day, he says, "I want. I came. You might have life, life to the full." I don't want to miss that. I got to stay connected, and these leaves will help me stay connected. But motivation is is the key. Uh, sometimes we get those confused. Uh, well, a couple of terms I want to throw out there also to help clarify a little bit. First one's a little theology lesson, maybe. Uh, two terms: justification and sanctification. Anybody know what those two heard those before. Kind of lovely theological uh, terms. Uh, well, justification is really like in a in a right relationship with God. I'm justified. I'm in the right place. Uh, really, it's justification is really I'm now connected to Jesus. I'm committed my life to Jesus. If if we're in that place, if you're Somebody who said that, you're justified before God. You're in a right relationship. You're righteous. Uh, that's what justification It's a one-time thing. It's not like I need to be justified today. I need more justification in my life. No, because it doesn't depend, again, on what we do. It's just putting ourselves in the right place. Sanctification is, becoming, is a process of becoming more like Jesus which is really, if you read the New Testament uh, past the Gospels, you'll see that's the goal, is becoming more like Jesus. That's our destiny. That's our purpose. Well, in light of today, I, I bring that up because sanctification could be just as easily said. Sanctification is producing more fruit in your life because when you produce more fruit, you're displaying more of the characteristics of Jesus. You're becoming more like Jesus. And again, it's not what we do. We're not human doings. We're human beings. Um, Just be in the right place. That would be the key. Because the other phrase would be position over performance. We kind of lean on performance, but really the key is position. Position yourself in the right place. I think the first time I spoke at Real Life a couple of years ago, uh, we were in Daggy, and I I remembered this because I talked about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a great example of that. You know, his performance was not really great. I mean, he was a chief tax collector and he did all the wrong things. And, you know, you look at his life and you go, you are nowhere. Uh, but he was the wee little man. We all know the song and all that stuff, Go to church. Uh, but Zacchaeus was a guy that he was determined to do anything he could to be in the right position. So he went ahead of the crowd. He crawled up a tree, put himself in a place where he could see and encounter Jesus. Guess what? He saw and encountered Jesus. Jesus looked at, called him out, dynamically changed his life, not because of anything he did, but because he was in the right place. And he responded to Jesus. So don't put your dependence on performance. Don't put your dependence, put your focus on position, connection, being in the right place uh, with God. Because um, if, if we're there, if we stay connected, fruit comes naturally. I uh, don't have to work at it. If you're working to produce fruit, then you're focused on the wrong thing. Uh, again, fruit vine, my vines at home. I'm just waiting. You know, the fruit's coming. They're about this big now, but pretty soon they'll be nice grapes to eat. Um, but they, I, you know, the, I, the vines don't sweat as it gets closer. It's like I got to work harder to get these grapes out. It doesn't do that. In The same way, I got an apple tree in the front yard where that branch came off of um, that one that won't produce any more fruit. Um, I've never been woken up at night by my tree groaning to produce apples. It just, guess what? If the apple tree, if I keep watering it, if I don't lop off branches, um, it'll produce apples naturally. In fact, it's already dropping tons of apples on the ground before their, before their time preview. Um, but that's the, uh, that's the key. So don't focus on fruit, focus on connection. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.